0: This morning, service less sing together in number 218. 218.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the House of the Lord. Are there any greetings or announcements for the church? Brother Greg and Sister Nancy are still in Windsor, but they greetings. Thank you. Thank you. Brother Greg and Sister Nancy are still in Windsor, as many of you are aware. Um, sister Nancy's sister, Darlene, passed away from cancer uh, just a few days ago. Um, they did mention specifically during prayer meeting that they're thankful for all the prayers that have been offered on her behalf and also on the behalf of the family, and please continue to keep them in prayer as they grieve. My sister next week, and we Please extend our greetings, and the Lord be with you as you would travel to Vista. Uh, I have a few announcements here. The focus of this month's collection is the Little Hands Orphanage. Uh, you may recall on Wednesday, uh, Brother Glenn and Sister Amara gave a report from there uh, at the Strasburg Road Church that was live streamed, and I think it's still up on the Windsor site if you would like to uh, uh, catch that if you missed it. The Sunday School is a very practical front fundraiser um, scheduled for this coming Saturday. The children are looking for sponsors, and they're going to be pulling weeds on the church property. So. If you'd like to support the Little Hands Orphanage, which I think is the, is the missionary effort that we're supporting, uh, and one of the little ones comes up to you asking for a few cents per weed, please feel free or join us on Saturday with a weed puller. This Wednesday, uh, we're going to have a Bible study. I believe it's a continuation of the life of Christ, but I'm not entirely sure. In any case, we'll be planning to meet here on Wednesday.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Brother Edwin did call Brother Doug over the phone and extended greetings to the church. Please keep him and Sister Sophie in prayers. Uh, her condition has not changed from what I understand. She's still in the hospital in Oshawa General and generally unresponsive at this point. I'll repeat those announcements so that people can catch that. Um, Sister Sophie's son Joey uh, drove cross country from BC here to be with his mother and brother Edwin and uh, he's, he's arrived already. He was supposed to be in our church this morning but I'm not sure what the situation is right now. Um, as I mentioned before, Sister Sophie is still um, unresponsive. Uh, Sister Barb, who is of course a close friend of the family, Uh, is going to be traveling up from Windsor uh, next week to help Brother Edwin uh, get some things uh, squared away. So again, please keep uh, both Brother Edwin and Sister Sophie in your prayers. That's all the announcements that I have. Before we open God's word together, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, on a beautiful Sunday morning, we're so thankful that we have the opportunity to gather together in thy house and thy place of worship here, to seek thee and to worship thee in spirit and in truth. We ask for the presence of thy good and Holy Spirit to be among us now as we would look into thy word, and we pray that thou wouldst be our unseen guest here and that thou would speak to the hearts of all those that are gathered here. Be with those that are going through difficulties. We're especially mindful of Brother Edwin and Sister Sophie at this time and their medical crisis that they're going through. Be with them, Heavenly Father, and watch over them. Provide for their needs according to thy will and help us also to be willing hands and feet uh, in service of thee. Be with those that are going through difficulties, Heavenly Father, those that are persecuted, especially our brethren in the Ukraine. Be with them, Heavenly Father, and keep them and let let them continue to be a light and an example to those in that corner of the world be with us now we pray these things in jesus name amen for this morning's meditation i'd like to find and read together from john's gospel the fourth chapter if you'll turn with me to john's gospel the fourth chapter This is a very familiar passage, but uh, two weeks ago when we had our Bible study here um, on Wednesday night, uh, Brother Zoran um, was leading the discussion, and he was using some of these same scriptures. And uh, there were some things in there that I had never seen before, even though I was very familiar with the passage, and a common thread that was running through the third chapter and fourth of John. And so, with the Lord's help, I'd like to meditate on the same uh, passage. I'd like to begin um, on the fourth chapter, the fifth verse. Then cometh he, that's Jesus, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Abraham, Jacob, who, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall, neither, shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sits thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, but ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or, Why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city, and came unto him. In the meanwhile, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed Christ, the Savior of the world. I've read until the 42nd verse. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
0: Let's kneel to pray. Dear Father in Heaven, as we bow before Thee in worship and adoration, we acknowledge that Thou art the Great Spirit, the the being who permeates all of these physical things in the sense of has complete knowledge of them, knows of them, knows us completely inside out, knows our deepest thoughts, knows all about us completely, that Great Spirit. This is the one now. ...that there is no other way to approach such a being other than in complete and utter truth and with our spirits completely open to be receptive to that great spirit. Dear Father, we wish to worship thee this hour. Whatever we may think about ourselves, our most pressing needs, our biggest and deepest questions, dear Father we realize that we must lay them aside and hear from the Master himself, hear from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has come forth from the Father, who is part of that Godhead, who displayed perfectly the nature, the complete nature of God to hear his words this hour, to hear those words of truth. Dear Father, and those of us that know Thee, those of us that have walked some ways in the, in the dust of the rabbi, dear Father, we know too also that this hour is to take in so that we may do Thy will, so that we may do the will of him that has sent us, that we may be completely used of Thee and thus utterly satisfied. Dear Father, help us too, those that know Thee, to receive this hour so that we may go and do Dear Father, this hour we pray for our friends outside of Jesus Christ. Those that keep coming to that well, keep drawing forth and are not satisfied. Those that realize, that have an inkling that this is not all that they were designed for. That have a trail of broken relationships, of broken experiences behind them. Dear Father, we pray for them this hour as they sit at this quiet moment Maybe, metaphorically, in the heat of the day of their lives, where things are suddenly still. Dear Father, we pray that that word could penetrate their hearts too, that they could realize that this is indeed the Christ, the one that should come, the savior of the world, the savior of their own very souls. This is a special hour. This is a precious hour, dear Father. Not because of us, not because of our church, of this physical building or anything, That we can bring, but because of that great spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is present now, to speak to hearts that are open, that are willing to receive. Dear Father, we pray for the the servant that is to speak the physical words, that is to utter the words that need to be spoken, the words of truth. Pray for his needs, dear Father, as he utters these words, that they would be words of spirit and of truth. We pray for those that couldn't be here physically in the hearing of thy word. We pray for their needs, too. Pray for dear brother Edwin as he has to make decisions and has to cope now with a new reality. Dear Father, grant him a rich portion of that good and precious spirit which has been with him, dear Father, and will be with him. We pray for Sister Olga Ordog, too, in her trial of her health. Strengthen her, dear Father. Physically, we ask for healing for her, according to thy will dear father but we ask for also an outpouring of thy spirit in her life too so that she also could be victorious dear father there are many more we could pray for many more we ought to pray for many more that should come readily to our minds we pray for them we pray for those that have lost loved ones recently pray for dear sister sigrid pray for many others that have lost husbands and uh, fathers and uh, siblings. Dear Father, we pray, comfort them. Help them to show, help them to realize this life is temporary. Each one of us have a day appointed to us where this all will end. And what we do here and now to respond to Thy Spirit will determine eternal life for us or not. Dear Father, we pray all these things according to thy perfect, thy precious will. We pray that the words of thy Son would be proclaimed this day, that we would work, we know the field is white unto harvest, that there are many that do not know this word. We pray, dear Father, that this day they would be part of that harvest, that they would indeed be plants in thy kingdom. We pray all these things according to thy good and precious will. Amen.
1: Sometimes when we read through the Gospels, we get the sense that, at least I did, that these episodes or events are self-contained, kind of strung together in a a manner that eyewitness accounts often are, these little things that caught, caught people's attention and somewhat unrelated. I thought that. When we first looked at these portions of Scripture a couple Wednesdays ago, but as Brother Zorn was directing the Bible class, and as I was rereading these words for myself, I, I was stunned to see such a obvious, uh, obvious parallels and 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 contrasts come out in front of me. And one great theme running through that this whole section of Scripture, the third and fourth chapter of John. And if I were to put it in words, I'd simply say. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. We didn't read it together, but I'm sure many of you know the account of Nicodemus and his nighttime visit with the Lord. And it follows, or it precedes what we just read about the Samaritan woman meeting with Christ at the well. And on the surface, the contrast couldn't be greater. Nicodemus was an established rabbi, one of the Sanhedrin, the 70 elders, the Jewish Supreme Court, if you will, a respected and influential person, an august teacher of the law. And the Samaritan woman is unnamed in Scripture. We simply know her by her reputation, which was scandalous even among the Samaritans. Nicodemus met Christ in the cool of the night. The Samaritan woman met him at high noon, in the heat of the day. Nicodemus met Christ in private, at the home, wherever Christ was staying at the time. This woman met Christ in a very public place, a well where many gathered. And sometimes with scriptures that we're familiar with, we, we tend to, uh, we already know the outcome. We already know how the story goes. We've heard it perhaps since Sunday school, if we were raised in Sunday school. And so the whole thing takes on the character of a, of a play that we've seen many times before, the, the actors go through their motions and we know what comes next and we, we know the implications even of the actions. But I'd like us to take a moment now and try to erase some of that from our memory and approach it as if we were witnessing these events for the first time. The prologue that we did not read simply says that when Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, then he left Judea and went up towards Galilee. And Jesus himself didn't do the baptizing, but his disciples did. And as they were traveling, instead of as as Orthodox, observant Jews would have done: crossed over the Jordan River, gone up the Jordan on the east bank, and then crossed back into Galilee, so they wouldn't have to travel through the land of the Samaritans, these um, people that uh, were, at best, half Jews, that the uh, the Jewish people looked down on with a great deal of disdain. Uh, J- Jesus didn't do that. He again confounded expectations and went right through the middle and he came to a city called Sychar and there was a well there it was Jacob's well it had been dug by Jacob himself originally and people still came there for water and there we find Jesus alone sitting on the well his disciples had gone into the city to go buy food and drink And I think the reason is fairly obvious. They did not want their rabbi mixing with these half-heathen Samaritans. They would do their best to go into that city and find food and drink that was as kosher as they could find in that place and bring it back to Jesus so he wouldn't have to dirty himself by associating with the Samaritans. As Jesus sits there on the well, a woman comes on the well-worn path from the town to the well, probably balancing a pitcher on her head, and she comes alone in the middle of the day. This, of course, was very unusual. The women typically met in one spot in the city and would go together to the well it was safer that way to travel in groups and in numbers and of course there was companionship and there was stories and and events to be talked about but this woman comes alone and in the middle of the day when it was the least comfortable time to come and do heavy work she comes and Jesus says to her give me to drink The woman doesn't even answer the question directly. She says, why are you asking me? I'm a woman of Samaria, you're a Jew, and perhaps dressed in the, in the, in the garb of a traveling rabbi. From what I've heard of Orthodox Jewish practice, <coughs> in some circles among the, the, the Orthodox, the rabbis will not even speak directly to women that are not from their immediate family. I heard it said once, you know, when the rabbi came to visit and the meal was prepared, the wife served everything, and if the meal was uh, um, particularly good, the rabbi would then turn to the husband and say to him, please tell your wife the meal was excellent. He would not refer to her directly. And here, not only is Christ speaking to the woman directly, but asking something from her. Everyone, of course, who understood Jewish law would be aware of the that to, to take something from someone who was a non-Jew was to risk contamination that it would be unclean and that he himself would become spiritually unclean ritually unclean but Christ was someone who was who came to change everything and Moses was the great lawgiver of the Jewish people. He came down from Mount Sinai with the tablets of stone and the the law from God. But he told the children of Israel close to the end of his life that the Lord is going to send another prophet like me, him you need to hear. So if you would think about that for a moment and allow me just a, a brief diversion here. What kind of a prophet was Moses? He was only the first, perhaps, prophet of the nation of Israel, um, if we don't count the patriarchs themselves directly. There were many prophets that came after Moses, but none of them matched the description of Moses. Moses was the lawgiver. What was the law? If I had to boil it down into a, a simple statement, I'd say the law came to teach the difference between clean and unclean. Everything got sorted into those two buckets whether it was the the clothing that you put on or the food that you ate, the days of the week, the months of the year, the places that God chose versus the places that were set aside for uh, um, uh, things that were contaminated. Even the vessels were sorted into clean and unclean. Anyone who tried for any length of time to observe that law, I think would have come to a a conclusion very quickly. Well, would ask himself first a question, and that was, if everything around me gets sorted into clean and unclean, am I clean or am I unclean? And the law had the answer for that as well. And it had the solution that if you were unclean, you needed to be cleansed. But those who again, spent any time trying to observe the law, would come to realize, like David did, that this was at best a temporary measure. And the cleansing could not come from the blood of animals or from any kind of ritual, but the cleansing had to come from God himself. He said, wash me and I shall be clean. Purge me from my iniquity. So Christ comes, and he was indeed a prophet like Moses. So what did he teach? What was the great teaching that Christ brought down from above? I think it's simply this, the difference between the spirit and the flesh. Those two things. And many times in his teaching he would say, the words that I speak unto you are spirit, and you can't receive them because you're of the flesh. You're only interested in the material world, but I'm telling you spiritual things, and you can't grasp them. So Jesus, again, begins, like he did with Nicodemus, a dialogue with this woman, pointing out spiritual things and contrasting them with physical or fleshly things. Why is that important to us? because we are creatures that are composed of those two elements, the flesh and the spirit. But the spirit is of much greater importance than the flesh because the spirit will go on. One day the flesh will drop away, but the spirit will continue. And so it's so critical now while we have time that we listen to the words of Christ and pay attention to what he says about our spirit. It's interesting how Jesus doesn't answer the woman's question either. She says, why are you asking drink of me? And then Jesus turns it around and says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's speaking with you and saying, give me to drink, you would have asked of him. Living water or running water, flowing water. Can you imagine this woman's confusion? She said, you just asked me for drink and now you're saying... That if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water. How can this be? And her, her conclusion makes perfect sense. Much like Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? The answer, of course, is no. The woman says to Christ, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? She says, Look, I'm the only one here with a pitcher. How are you going to give me water? The ability to give water is in my hands. And then she says, are you making some kind of crazy claim that you're even greater than our father Jacob who dug this well? Now here she's trying to kind of put a little bit of a twist on things to Jesus. Of course, the other name of Jacob is Israel. The Jews acknowledged Jacob as the as the the true beginning of their nation, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel. And yet here's this half-heathen woman calling Jacob her father. Jesus says now something to her that is entirely spiritual and she doesn't understand. Whoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again. That's the physical water. But... Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. think, wow, that sounds like great news. In a a land where you had to go daily to the well to draw water, not having to thirst again sounds pretty good. But then he adds to it, and he says something that's entirely shocking and, and totally mystifying to the woman. He says, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water. You've come to this well, and I'm telling you, the water that I'm going to give you is going to make you into a well. You're going to become a source that others will come to. And not only that, but that water is going to spring up into everlasting life an eternal spring. The woman, again, she doesn't quite understand what Jesus is driving at, so she just simply says the obvious. She says, well, give me that water so I don't have to come here and draw, especially in the middle of the day. She obviously didn't want to be seen by the other women. That would have given her a hard time. See, they had cancel culture back then, too. And she knew what the other women would say about a woman of her reputation. But here she speaks free freely with Christ because he's a stranger. But that's about to change. Jesus says, "Go, call thy husband and come hither." Now this made sense in in that day and time. Uh, the it was clearly understood in that culture that the. The the man was not only the head of the household, but the spiritual head of the household. And if there's going to be a teaching coming from the rabbi, he should be there as well. So he says, go call your husband. And the woman gives an evasive answer. She says, I have no husband. And then Jesus turns around and says, thou hast well said, I have no husband. You've had five. And the man you're with now isn't your husband. You said the right thing. You're telling the truth. I have no husband. And at that moment, she realizes what Nicodemus had realized also in his conversation with Jesus. He says, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You're someone different here. You're no average rabbi. You're no mere teacher. You have a word from God. No one else could understand that fact about me unless God had revealed it to him. Perhaps the people around her didn't even know about all of her husband's. Perhaps the people around her at home didn't know that she was living in an improper relationship. But this man, this stranger, knew everything. Then she tries to deflect. She says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And she points to Mount Gerizim. And I mentioned before about that, the significance of that, of that mountain. She says, but you say that in Jerusalem is where people ought to worship. So here's the big religious question between the Samaritans and the Jews. And she throws it back at Jesus. And I love Jesus' answer, listen carefully. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He wasn't talking about an abolishment of religion. He clarifies now, ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship For salvation is of the Jews. That was the purpose of the Jewish nation, to be the clean people through which Messiah would come. And God saw to it that they were preserved through all the twists and turns of history until this moment when this man walked those roads of Galilee and Judea. Now listen to this. But the hour cometh and now is, the hour of change, when the true worshipers Shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Put yourself in this woman's sandals now and think about that. You mean the Father? Adonai? Jehovah? The God of the universe? Is seeking for people to worship him. And he doesn't care where they worship. And not only that. But he's seeking for me. To worship him. Me with my past. With my scandal. With my sin. He's seeking me. Yes. He is. Each of us must meet Christ alone. This woman realized she couldn't hide. This man knew everything about her. And so it is, when we come into the presence of God, when we meet Christ alone, we must meet him exposed. There's nothing that he doesn't know. And then we must realize that what he is concerned with is us. That's why he came. That's why he seeks us out. A love so incredible, so unimaginable, that it's staggering. This woman was considered by her society the worst of the worst. And yet the Father of Spirits, the Lord of the Universe, was seeking her out and had sent this special prophet. She didn't yet understand what that meant. Had sent this prophet to speak to her. Not to the men of the city. Not to the local rabbi. Not even to the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. But to the single disgraced woman of no significance at this well. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. She tried, I think, to push this off. I don't know that... um, her motives were wrong. It was just something too great for her. I think it's kind of similar to what I think it was what Martha said when Jesus said, do you believe your brother will rise again? She says, I know he'll rise the last day. It's coming someday. One day this will all be sorted out. But Jesus shows to her that that day is today. And scripture is entirely consistent in this. For each one of us here, that day to meet Christ is today. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Jesus saith unto her, now just savor these words. I that speak unto thee am he. I'm the one. The very words he would never speak to the Sanhedrin, the very words he would never utter to the scribes. In fact, if you look through the history of Christ's life, he never admits who he fully is publicly until that final chapter of his life, his crucifixion, when he's finally taken by the soldiers, when he stands in front of the council, and he knows from this point on there will be no escape, The only thing before him is the cross. Then he feels free to admit that, yes, he is indeed the son of the blessed. But here, the Samaritan nobody gets a peek into what's coming. I am he. Christ will reveal himself to you if you will come alone. If you come without motive Without looking to impress somebody else, without trying to bargain with him, if you will come to him alone on his terms, not yours, he will reveal himself to you. That's a bitter lesson to learn. It took me a long time. I thought I was repenting for years, and I realized that I was actually bargaining. I was no different than the Samaritan woman, throwing up excuses, trying to make some fine distinction that I thought might have been clever, looking for some other way. We only meet Christ when we surrender and come on his terms and meet him alone. No one to hold our hands, no one to speak for us, no lawyer or advocate, a simple meeting with Jesus alone. And upon this, his disciples came, and they they see the woman, and they see Christ talking with the woman, and they're shocked, but they don't know what to say. Nobody asked him any questions. The woman simply left her water pot and went her way into the city, and if I would guess into how that looked, I think she probably ran. And the disciples were scratching their heads, I'm sure. What can this mean? Why would a man, especially a rabbi, be caught talking alone with a woman in this way? Especially a Samaritan woman. Here we see the answer, and this is where I'll conclude. The disciples asked him to eat, and Jesus says, I have meat to eat. I've got something to sustain me that you don't don't even know. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And then he says something. He says, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Isn't it the springtime? They've only just finished planting. It's nowhere near harvest yet. There's still four months until harvest. He says, lift up your eyes and look. Look, the fields are white already to harvest. And what was he pointing at? I think it was that crowd coming from the city with the woman out at the head to meet Jesus. Here was the harvest that Christ was pointing to. Now, the irony of it was this. His disciples were trying to shield him from the influence of these Samaritans to keep themselves separate. That was the important thing. Clean and unclean needed to be preserved. But Christ changes everything. He came to break down that wall. And now we see the city coming out to Jesus. Then he turns to his disciples and he has one more lesson for them. He says, one soweth and another reapeth. You know, at the beginning of this chapter, it was talking about the baptism and and how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was baptizing more disciples than John. And I'm sure they made political hay out of that. They figured... Oh, look, here's the new teacher that's coming along, and he's more popular than the old one. And maybe the disciples thought the same thing. Maybe they thought, hey, we're on the upswing. John, your day's day's over. And Jesus had to show to them, no, that's not how it works in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, we're all part of one great chain. We are spirits. We all live unto him, as he told the Sadducees. No one that has died has ever ceased to exist. He's simply been separated from us who still live in the flesh. And so we can easily see how, like it says in Hebrews 11, where it goes through that so-called hall of faith, that these are just links in a great chain of God's kingdom right from the earliest days of recorded history through the patriarchs, through Moses, through the prophets, and then finally through the disciples of Christ himself. That they are laborers together. And so are we. Right down to this very day. Here in this very place at this very moment. This is why these words are still alive. They're spirit. They're not flesh. They don't belong in dusty books on shelves of history. They belong to each one of us. Today. Will you go out to meet him? Will you meet him alone? Will you open up yourself To his gaze? This isn't an exposure to make fun of you. Christ doesn't take delight in the shaming that the world does. He's seeking you to worship him. And there are no prerequisites. All are welcome. May the Lord add whatever. WAS LACKING TO WHAT WAS SAID. AMEN. WOULD A BROTHER PLEASE SELECT A HYMN. HYMN NUMBER 202, VERSES ONE, TWO, AND SIX. 202, ONE, TWO, AND SIX.
3: Our Father, which art in heaven, it is in this day, the Sabbath day of rest and worship the house ordained for the people to come to the house of prayer to worship thee, honor thee, that we may humbly ask for thy forgiveness dear Father in heaven, all those souls we pray, dear Father in heaven, that have not yet made a covenant with thee, that may be like the woman at the well, and ask, give me that water, that I shall not thirst any longer. And we would know, dear Father in heaven, it is thy free will, That thou shalt give that free living water to each and every soul that acknowledges the sinful ways and come to the foot of the cross and ask for forgiveness. That thou art merciful, and thy eternal love, which was shown on the cross at Calvary, who shed his precious blood, that thy holiness will be completed. And that thou give freedom to all those that are in bondage and a slave to inside this sinful world, dear Father in heaven. And we pray, dear Father in heaven, that those souls that have not yet made a covenant with thee, maybe even like the Philippian jailer, whose question was, what must I do to be saved? We pray, dear Father in heaven, that thou be merciful to all those who have loved ones, we have friends, we have neighbors, that are still in the sin-darkened world, and we pray, dear Father in heaven, that thou hear their prayers and open up their hearts and minds, that they may receive that Prince of Glory, the light that came into this sin-darkened world to show us a way to the heavenly kingdom. And we thank the dear Father in heaven for that word of truth. Pray dear Lord that many have been inspired by the truth. And we pray dear Father in heaven That thou be with those that could not be here in this day. To worship thee in spirit and in truth. Who are upon hospital beds. Who are at the evening of their lives. Who are tormented with pain. Agony. For the sister Sophia. And her husband. Sister Olga. All those the affirmatives of the flesh. They are wearing down. That I will visit each and every soul, dear Father, in heaven. And that they will strengthen each one. Uplift them, dear Father, in heaven. That they may feel Thy presence. And that thou, their eternal God, loves his children. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that the message may go throughout this world in this day, wherever two or three are gathered, that they may come to a conclusion. I cannot do it on my own. Help me, Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.
1: Him 241, the second and third verses. Did I hear that right? IN CONCLUSION, FOR THOSE OF US THAT HAVE PLEDGED TO FOLLOW THE MASTER, DO WE LISTEN CAREFULLY TO WHAT HE SAYS TO US AS WELL? REMEMBER WHAT HE TOLD THE SAMARITAN WOMAN, YOU'LL NEVER THIRST AGAIN. BUT THERE WAS A SECOND PART, YOU WILL BE A WELL OF WATER. ARE WE A WELL TO OTHERS? OR ARE WE SIMPLY SATISFIED WITH NOT THIRSTING OURSELVES? WE FOUND THE TRUE WATER. IT'S taken CARE OF OUR THIRST. BUT ARE WE A WELL FOR OTHERS? DO OTHERS COME TO US BECAUSE OF THAT CLEAR FLOWING WATER THAT THEY SEE? LET'S NOT TRY TO KEEP IT TO OURSELVES AS THE DISCIPLES DID. LET'S ALSO LEARN FROM OUR LORD so that others will be able to say of us, we believe him, that is Christ, not because of thy words, but because we've heard him ourselves. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said. May he dismiss us now with his blessing. Amen.